0: Good morning, and welcome to Trending on News Talk 94.1 FM at 1600 AM. This has been Rogers, your host. Today, I am joined by Senator Paul Bailey. It's his second time with me, and I thought it was a good time to have him in this week to discuss the legislature and the General Assembly uh, recessing. It was a recess last week. And we actually are recording this show because of everything going on with COVID-19. Uh It's actually just the Senator and myself and one other person in the station. So we are social distance for sure, but we wanted to get this show in and, and get some information to you and, and, uh, of course, Senator Bailey is, is wonderful in our district. He uh, does a lot of good for us, and he has been right in the middle of everything going on with the tornadoes, uh, with COVID nineteen as well. <clears throat> just want to get some information from him, and also talk about what's happened in the legislature so far. Even though they're recessing when they're reconvening, so we are recording today. It's uh, Wednesday actually, but this is airing of course, Friday morning. So things may have changed since we talked. So I wanted to put that out there. Some if there's some information you hear today, it may have changed since Wednesday. So just want. Let everybody know that, Senator. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Ben. Glad to be here.
0: Always glad to have you. And, and of course, everything going on, I wasn't sure if you wanted to come in, or had time, but I actually your schedule was probably a little free up right now. I guess right.
1: Well, for the most part, we're doing a lot of phone calls, having a lot of conference calls uh, daily with various commissioners. Uh, yesterday, we had phone calls with Director of care There's a program that they're working on to basically help the uninsured with the COVID-19 virus. There's also uh, information coming from the Department of Safety regarding people's uh, licensure, uh, their um, driver's license, as well as their car registration uh, tags. So the governor's issued an executive order that from uh, March 12th until uh, May 18th, that time period you will have until June 15th to renew your driver's license and or your um, tags on your vehicle.
0: Okay. That's good information. We'll talk more about some executive orders later on as well if you want to. But uh, this General Assembly recessed, and I want to make sure everybody understands they did not adjourn for this session. They recessed last week, late Thursday night, right?
1: We we left the floor at 11.30 p.m. on Thursday night.
0: Is that the latest you've ever met? I think
1: that uh, in recent years, this was my seventh legislative session, uh, probably – Four or five years ago, we had a late night session since uh, Governor McNally took over as Speaker of the uh, Senate. And then obviously with uh, Speaker Sexton taking over, um, they had previously not wanted to go as late just simply because the members get wore down and sure. wore out. And some actually leave uh, the the floor. And, and so it's hard to get a quorum, keep a quorum. Right. So, but nevertheless, we uh, we adjourned at eleven thirty after passing uh, a budget. That's the only constitutionally requirement that the General Assembly has on an annual basis. So, the governor wanted to get uh, a budget in place in the event that COVID nineteen became such a epidemic, not only just a pandemic, but an epidemic. And we wanted to make sure that the state could continue to function.
0: So, the last thing you approved was a budget. For now,
1: we, we approved the budget, and and ultimately, Tennessee is uh, although we've cut nearly one billion dollars in taxes over the last several years, con- Tennessee continues to see strong economic growth in in the form of um, sales tax, and so we were looking at a uh, little over a billion dollar surplus this year, and ultimately, the governor went back and revised his originally proposed budget and cut right at a billion dollars out of that proposed budget, moved uh, $350 million over into the Rainy Day Fund. Obviously, he put in an additional $100 million to go towards our cities and counties because they're going to be losing tax revenue as well. So we wanted to kind of prop those up. And one of the last minute things that we did is move $7 million uh, over to help our 15 distressed counties. Those are your counties that, uh, you know, struggle on an annual basis to raise enough money just to operate their county government. So $7 million will be divided up between those counties uh, to actually assist them, in which I represent two, and the closest one is uh, Jackson County. Sure. And then, of course, Bledsoe County. So I have two of the 15 distressed counties.
0: So while we're talking about budget, and I'm I believe I have my facts right, but please correct me if I don't. Before COVID nineteen was that hit us hard and everybody started looking at their budgets and the governor cut money in the original proposed budget in February, I believe he had money set aside for like for counties for capital projects maybe?
1: Yes, and that's um and again I mentioned that's one of the things that we've increased. He originally had a hundred million dollars in for counties. We added an additional $100 million, okay. making that $200 million. That's one of the things that we did not want to do is is cut out the uh, ability for our counties. We know that they're going to struggle depending upon how long we go with COVID-19. Uh, we needed to make sure that they continue to have some revenue flowing into their counties to help them, especially with projects that they need to move forward with.
0: Well, as you know, I'm a direct line for these county officials for for assistance. And I've gotten a lot of phone calls. Right. Have you gotten any phone calls from officials asking them, asking you what they do about paying their employees or, or sending? Because that's, that's been my questions. And really, they should come to me. But I know you get a lot of phone calls from your constituents. Have you gotten any of those questions? Oh, mm-hmm.
1: absolutely. I'm in constant contact a lot of times by text messaging. I have uh, our city mayors as well as our county mayors that. That are in the fifteenth Senate district, and and I'm sharing some information with them as I have available. Uh, obviously, they call me and go over uh, questions that they have. Uh, the big question has been whether or not they should shut their courthouses and and limit access to the courthouses, and and that has uh, that's been the big topic over the, the past weekend. So, you know, and then how they deal with uh, with employees. As far as uh, is it uh, should be considered comp time, sick time, should they just send them at home, send them home? And so there's been a lot of those type of questions that have uh, that have arisen, heard from sheriffs in regards to what do they do with with uh, limiting access to their inmates? Uh, are there inmates that are basically serving just a small amount of time for a misdemeanor? Can they release them? Of course, my response back is that's between the sheriff, the DA, and and the judge at this point. Well, I, of course,
0: a lot of my questions have been the same. And one of the things I've tried to remain constant, because it's changing every day what counties are deciding to do. Right now, the most common approach is they're um, cutting off. Walk in access by the public. They're saying if you need business to conduct, if you can't do it online or over the phone, you're welcome to come in. Most offices in my area, I know, they're still open, but you need to call, and make an appointment. Right. The official will come and let you in. And and the confusion is, and I actually had this question this morning: is cities are different than counties, and and cities run on a charter. There are I think two charter counties in the state. I don't have any of those, but unless a county is under charter. Uh, and it says in the charter the the mayor can shut the court or house down or the county offices down. The mayor has the county mayor has no authority to do that. Now the county mayor can close his office or her office um, and can suggest locking the doors, but it's each official's right. right. County clerk, trustee, if they want to stay open,
1: that, that's that's not only from the elected officials in in the counties, but from constituents. Uh, that's been one of the questions, mm-hmm. and my answer to them is each elected official in the county is constitutionally elected. Yep. They operate their office and if they decide that they want to limit their hours or close, that's up to that elected official to do so. That's right. Now for the most part, your county mayors have purview over the courthouse but at the same time they in my opinion, and I think Ben, you can answer this better than I. They can't actually just close the courthouse down and limit, uh, totally restrict access to all those other constitutionally elected. Uh, That's correct. Offices.
0: That's correct. Because yeah. I had the question this morning, and one of the officials said, "Well, our mayor said I had to shut down." I said, "No, you're you're the elected. You're a constitutional office. You have a right to stay open." You, you, and of course, the biggest other thing is the pay. You mentioned right. the pay is how do you right. pay your employees if they're sent home? Well, that's going to be up to that official and what the personnel policy says. Do they have ability to do administrative leave with pay? Uh, are they making them take sick leave first or, or vacation time first? Or, or are they going to pay them? Cause I know counties have said we're sending our employees home for two weeks. Our personnel policy allows us to pay them, right? While we send them home, and there's probably work they can do from home uh, as well, and a lot of counties are working on that. So it's been this COVID nineteen has just affected so many things, and and yeah. per, personal lives, county government, city government, state government, um, and so you and I are in the position we got to give the best answer to our people.
1: Yeah, and, and the best answer that we have at the time, and again, I've shared information with the with the city and county mayors, and what I think is going to be coming from the the administration, the governor's office. But I don't always know that. It's just based on uh, conversations that I'm having with the administration and various departments on a daily basis. Sure, But I just share that information with them so that they can be prepared in the event Um, there is a a shelter in place order uh, instituted by the governor. I know that the governor is not wanting to do that. Uh, He believes that that individual businesses should be making that decision. Obviously, he has uh, put in place the, the carry-out uh, order for restaurants, closed gyms, and, and fitness centers because that's where a lot of people congregate. There's a lot of right. body secretions that take place in those exactly. facilities. So that's that's the one thing that we've got to remember is to to not congregate in, in more than – Uh, 10 people.
0: Sure, sure. We have good discussion so far, Senator, and I appreciate uh, you being here. We're closing up the first segment. We're going to come back, continue to talk a little bit about COVID-19 and the way county government's working and state government, get into some tornado discussion as well, uh, and talk about some legislation and what what it looks like and when the legislature will reconvene in June. You're listening to News Talk 94.1 FM at 1600 AM. This is Ben Rogers, and I'm with Senator Paul Bailey from the district uh, in Putnam County and other five counties around us. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Trending. This has been Rogers, your host, on News Talk 94.1 FM. I'm visiting with Senator Paul Bailey uh, from the 15th District here in Putnam County and other counties around us. We've been talking about COVID-19. That's one of the big things, and, and the General Assembly recessing last week. And when when will they reconvene, Paul? The,
1: the resolution, the um, recess resolution, says that we'll come back on June 1st. Okay, June 1st.
0: So that's that's probably – have you ever been in session past June 1? I have not. That's what I
1: thought. I've been in session into the first, second week of May, but I've never been in session all the way up into June.
0: So, do you, and I, you can't, you don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what the good Lord has planned for us. But when y'all reconvene June 1, do you think you'll be there another month? Do you think you'll be there a week?
1: What are your thoughts? Well, one thing that you have to take into consideration is this is an election year. So, all of your House members are up for reelection. And then you have half of your senators up for re-election. I don't really think that they're going to want to stay for a very long period of time. Plus, they're limited on the amount of money that they can raise when they're in session. That's right. So, you know, all things political at that point, they're not going to want to stay too long. I think if there's key legislation that needs to pass to help the state, I think we'll take that up. We'll try to get that done in short order.
0: Okay. I want to backtrack a little bit to where we're talking about county government and the availability of county offices. I want to make sure everybody understands. And the way I understand it is that there's only basically two people that can shut down county government. That's the county health director, <clears throat> which is at the health department, the health department director in the county, or the governor. The Correct. way the way I that's the way I understand it. The county mayor again, unless they have a charter county that it's in the charter where they have that power that ability. County government's not. Uh, it does not depend on what the county mayor thinks. Uh, he or she can offer suggestions to county offices but again a constitutional office like a trustee or clerk of court or registered deeds they can stay open uh, because it's their office. <clears throat> if the health department comes in and says no you're closing then they will close. We haven't had that happen yet in Putnam County. I think maybe one County in my area or near and upcoming may have had that happen. I have to look at that. But that's the only way. So county government is still moving forward. And uh, I do want to talk about commission meetings because right. um, the executive order, I believe, 16 come out last Friday. And that was one of the topics. Y'all were actually looking at legislation Thursday night. I, I was carrying
1: the legislation were, in the Senate.
0: You were, but it did not get to a vote, did it?
1: Well, we passed it. We the House passed a version and the Senate passed a version. Our version was supported by the County uh, county Commission uh, Association, Association as well as the TML, uh, Tennessee Municipal League, uh, Tennesseans for Open Government. It was supported because we basically had put more transparency in our bill than what the House uh, had put in their bill. And we ended up at a impasse because, again, we're at 11 o'clock at night. Sure. We would have had to go into a conference committee, which could have, drug out for a couple of more hours. So we consulted with the administration and they determined that they could do a temporary executive order allowing cities and counties and, and other uh, government entities to uh, have meetings by electronic means to conduct uh, essential business.
0: Well, as a commissioner, thank you for getting to a point where i believe and feel it was so important to the governor to address i think the senate and you carrying the bill and, and the work y'all did on it was it, it provoked him the next day to do right. executive order number 16 right. so thank you for that uh it allows us as a commission to keep going forward with county government i know some counties have canceled their meetings and that's fine that that's however they need to do it but i know in Putnam county we actually uh, are looking at meeting Monday night. When we had delayed our meeting anyway because the tornadoes, right. we just felt like it was best for our officials and apartment heads to delay that two weeks. So we're actually meeting, having committee meetings Monday night on the thirtieth, starting at five thirty, and the commission meeting starting at six. But it's going to be done electronically. Right. And I actually got was reached out uh, Sunday uh, to, from somebody in Nashville said, "Hey, the governor's office is wanting to know what y'all are doing about meeting for commission to put them can." I'm like. Oh, wow. So the governor office was, is curious. So I said, this is our plan right now. I think I'm going to go ahead and send an email out in the next couple of days saying we're meeting electronically based on executive order 17, 16, 17. So we were meeting uh, through a web based conference call that Twin Lakes is providing us Monday night the public has to have access. Right. And so that access will be available through putnamcountytn.gov that's our website and that's already available. You can live stream our meetings uh through our website. So that's how it's going to be available to access. Mayor Porter may actually do a Facebook live. It will be available to the public. But a part of that bill also said that we didn't necessarily have to be live to have access. We could record the the meeting and make it available when it's out with i mean that
1: was in the legislation that, as well. that was that is if if the county uh, or the government did not have a means to do live streaming they had to do an audio and video recording and make it available to the public within 48 hours
0: correct so we have the ability to do live streaming we're going to do that Monday night i don't think our agenda will be as big as maybe it could be because we don't know how it's going to work the right. electric electronic uh aspect i think it's going to work fine the way it looks now i'm going to be in the courtroom with uh, the county clerk and our county mayor, and we're going to be socially distanced from right. each other. But the clerk's got to be there to record, and the county mayor's there, obviously, to make sure well, I'm not missing anything. So that's the way we're conducting Monday night for Putnam County residents that's okay. interested. Um But thank you for working on that legislation. You bet. I think that's going to help keep county government moving while this COVID-19 pandemic is still going. Let's move a little bit back to Putnam County and actually Nashville, where the tornadoes hit this month. And that's I've talked about it three weeks in a row, but I feel like you know it's such a big part for our community, and it's it's changed our our lives here in Putnam. Just I know you were there. I was. <clears throat> you were there, I believe, the day of. Right. We, I,
1: I flew uh, I flew up with uh, Representative Williams and the Governor to to Cookville. We we arrived around noon on Tuesday, after the tornado had hit uh, Monday night, Tuesday morning, I'd actually been watching the weather from Nashville because my apartment's in downtown Nashville. And so, uh, I knew when the tornado came through Nashville, it was, it was very obvious. And, and then I watched the tornado all the way to Gordonsville. And then basically they said, well, we're lifting the warning. It's now just a watch and at that point in time, I basically just go to bed because I'm thinking, okay, usually when the weather moves up towards the plateau, it, it kind of uh, breaks up. But unfortunately, this time, it basically built back up and became a stronger storm. So I was r- – on the phone at five thirty the next morning with the uh, commissioner of commerce and insurance commissioner of safety, they were all calling and basically saying, sender your district's been hit very hard. Right. You need to get up. We we've got to get boots on the ground up there." And so they were calling. So I was I was on um, calls with uh, Randy Porter, uh, Eddie Ferris immediately, basically trying to get these departments uh, a central location for them to set up and 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 start. Uh, the efforts of of helping our people here in Putnam County
0: march has been just it's been crazy for us and and as a senator you know you've as you said seventh session right you've been a part of basically in a matter of three weeks everything's really changed for not only us but you as a senator and how business operates you know and, and so 700 structures were damaged in Putnam County uh close to 200 were were complete losses nashville was hit with a lot of damage and i mentioned i think last week i have family that live in east nashville and their business was affected uh, by the tornado the state has been very involved with assisting can you give me any details on what the state's doing for tornado victims and you can throw in there uh, about what state's doing for COVID 19 victims if if you have information
1: of course um, one of the first things that we wanted to do was uh, to get it declared a federal emergency in which we were able to do that based on the damage. That's one of the reasons that President Trump made a visit here to Cookville. Uh, I think that was a first for any president to, sure. to visit mm-hmm. visit the Cookville area. But we wanted that federal declaration, which opens up a lot of resources for our citizens, not only uh, state resources, but definitely federal resources. So that was – that was very important. Uh, all of our departments that are involved, from uh, again, I mentioned commerce and insurance, making sure that people that have insurance were able to get their claims filed and, and properly filed in place. Uh, we had the National Guard on 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 the ground, boots on the ground that day, basically assisting with uh, with uh, search and um, search and recovery, and and then they have continued to basically help clean up the debris. So. All state departments were all hands on deck during this time to basically help all of our citizens.
0: The team is a big part of that. Uh, of course, w- Randy, Mayor Porter, and I have talked a lot about the cleanup. Right. And, of course, you were in the hot zone that day. I, I, have you been back since that day? I,
1: I, was, I haven't been back since the cleanup started. I was back on the ground and spent about six hours on Saturday after the tornado and visited many, many— homeowners and, and a lot of the uh, volunteers that were there. Uh, we we started where the tornado actually began uh, there at Prosperity Point and, and came all the way back. Uh, my brother-in-law's family's business, uh, Echo Valley Pool, mm-hmm. is basically destroyed. Right, uh, And so it's very emotional. Sure. Uh, I think the day that we, we left and, and with the governor and was flying over, It really didn't hit me the magnitude of the devastation uh, until we got to Mount Juliet and we saw all of those big, huge warehouses that so many people are employed at. And many of them were gone. Many of them were just, I mean, severely damaged, totally destroyed. And then as we came into Putnam County and we immediately started seeing all of that devastation there, it was very emotional to me and it's still emotional to Sure, sure it is. And and uh the governor and the first lady well, were on the um helicopter mm-hmm. with me and it was emotional to them.
0: Well, these are your people, Paul. I mean, that you you work with them, you hear from them, you care about them and it's it was emotional to me. I <clears throat> <laughs> I, I I think I said this. I was in Nashville. You probably didn't know that. Well, you did. I was county government day that right. night, Monday night, when it hit. And as soon as I got home at eleven o'clock the next morning, when I could get through forty, I hugged my wife for five minutes. Right. I don't know. It was a long right. time because yeah. it is emotional. But um, thankful for your help, Golly. We can't we can't do what without you and Representative Williams and uh, even the one that around us. I know Wendell and, and Keesling as well have, have reached out, but. We'll get back in a little bit of the tornado stuff we come back. I don't want to wear it out as we have, but it's just so important to discuss. I want to make sure people know how much impact you've had with, with our community on this. Uh, you're listening to News Talk 94.1 FM and 1600 AM. This is Trending. I'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to Trending. I'm visiting with Senator Paul Bailey. This is Ben Rogers. We've been talking about COVID nineteen, tornadoes, how county governments and city governments are going forward through this pandemic, and uh, we we were, we left with the emotional side of the tornado, and and of course, Paul, you were you were here in the hot zone. You've been a couple times. Um, of course, I that's my path to work every day is from Baxter through. The hot zone on seventy. So i I've it about every day. Well, actually now I'm I'm quarantined at home for work. But anyway, um, it's it's changed because they're cleaning up. They're right. doing a great job of clean up. And and one of the things I was going to mention is, Mayor Porter and I talked a little bit last week about the cleanup process. We it's going to be a multi million dollar project for us and of course fema and tema uh have said we'll reimburse you but we know that takes a while it does Uh, and we understand that there's no complaints we're thankful for the help but it affects budgets uh it will affect our budget as well because we're taking that that cash out of fund balance and of course you know all about that being a commissioner and now being a senator with what fund balance is it's like a savings account but you don't want everyone to dip into it. Right. You know? <laughs> The comptroller doesn't like for you to do no, that. the comptroller don't. So you never want to use fund balance, but you have to, and, and we have a big amount um, for uh, for things like this. And, and and thank God for our administration in Putnam County and our commission for budgeting to where we have that amount of money because we're going to dip into at least probably 3 to $4 million. Uh, you were on the hot zone. Of course, President Trump came to visit. We talked about that's the first time a sitting president had ever come to Putnam County. Unfortunately, it was for this reason, but we're thankful he did. Were you there the day he came to visit in Putnam County?
1: I was at the Jefferson Avenue Church of Christ. That was the location that we had been informed that he would be and for us to be there. Uh, that's where a lot of, um, number one, volunteers because of Jefferson Avenue uh, was running a a supply and relief effort there as well as that's where a lot of victims uh, those that had lost family members that were there those that had lost um, total devastation to their homes and i you know president uh, trump came in and he was very sincere um, and 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 i think that he had empathy for those that were that were there um he was also uh, willing to hug those that had lost loved ones and and comfort those that uh that had lost everything uh, just a few days before that I felt like that it was all about those people that day it wasn't about me and so there were some that that uh you know, I pushed ahead, to sure. make sure that they were able to uh, to see the president and uh, to basically feel encouraged, uh, feel hope. And I felt like that—that's what he delivered that day.
0: That's good. I've heard the same response from other people that were there, and and, and I, you know, I appreciate your modesty of, of wanting the uh, victims or survivors, really, and the volunteers that were so important to have that opportunity to see him. And, and that's just talks about what kind of person you are to sit back and let them, let them have their time. But you, and you've been around the president before though, right?
1: Yes, I have. I've had the opportunity to uh, visit with president Trump on other visits that he's made to the Nashville area. So, um, you know, I think sometimes the media, um, gives him a bad rap because when you're in a room with him and he's one-on-one with individuals, uh, he's a very genuine person. He's a very caring person. And I think that there's a persona that he portrays, but at the same time, uh, when when he's in a room working with just uh, individuals, uh, he, I find him to be very genuine.
0: I've heard uh, Mayor Porter said the same exact thing last week. He he was able to talk to him and he just said he's genuine, and he cares about people, and he and he was humble. Uh and I, and it looked like it bothered him what he saw, you yeah. know, and it was just uh sad. He was saddened for people there and, and but it was uh we're we're glad he came. He saw firsthand what everybody had been through. Um you've been a big part of, of helping out and uh I'm thankful for that. We've had so many people that's been involved. I don't want to keep going back and forth, but before I forget on the COVID-19, you and I uh, had talked uh, off air as well, but some of the executive orders that have been issued have, have been really good for the situation. It's like uh, our governor is is evolving to what the needs are of not only people, but government. Uh, and so he he's able to do these things and we i think metro davidson mary and their charter was able to shut down everything besides essential services the governor's not done that through the executive Correct. orders and you mentioned about the fast food or the dine in restaurants you can get to go curbside or whatever and so through so those far through his executive orders, and there's been a lot of rumors about the shelter in place. It has not. Remember, this is Wednesday, March 25th, so it has not happened yet as the time of recording. But there is a difference in shelter in place and what he's done so far through executive orders. What is that difference?
1: Well, shelter in place means that all non-essential businesses are are ordered to close. And essential businesses are able to remain open. And it cuts down on the amount of people being able to congregate. The governor has been reluctant to do that. We've seen our major cities in Tennessee already issue a shelter in place because that's your big population base. You've seen more of your rural areas not issue. A shelter-in-place order just yet, simply because, yes, we're seeing positive tests, but at the same time, it's not been a growing uh, number of tests by double digits on a daily basis, like we've seen in in Nashville. So that's one of the things that that I'm constantly asked: is is the governor going to issue a shelter-in-place order? All I can say is is that the Administration has been reluctant at this time, and this is Wednesday, as right. you mentioned, to do that. I think they're watching the numbers on a daily basis uh last week before we we were getting a briefing, the uh, General Assembly was getting a briefing from the Department of Health Doctors Hospital Association, and at that time they they told us that. Our numbers would be doubling every day for the next 12 to 14 days. And they're hoping that at that 14-day point is that we'll see the curve come back down. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that that they've asked people to not congregate in more than uh, groups of 10. And also our larger cities have put in the shelter in place.
0: That's good information because there is so much confusion on, on what's going on with people. And, and uh, mayor Mayor's Porter and Shelton, I think, r- talked about yesterday about, you know, don't spread panic. Uh, this is what's going on in Putnam County. This is what's going on in the city of Cookville. Um, <clears throat> don't spread panic. And, of course, I know you've talked to other mayors, uh, city and county mayors in our area. But right now, we're not under shelter in place. I think a lot of people though are acting like we are, and that's not a bad thing necessarily. A lot of uh, I've got friends and family that's we're not going unless we need to go to the grocery store. We're staying home, uh, and I don't think that's a bad idea. But right now we're we're able to um, go to places, but we just don't need to be in places of more than ten.
1: Right, and and social distancing. I mm-hmm. mean that's a new term that's come up, and and we need to make sure that we uh, are social distancing ourselves. And by all means, if you have, uh, if you have any symptoms of the uh, COVID nineteen, do not be out in public. Uh, Just and especially, even if you have uh, current uh, cold type symptoms, if you're sneezing, if you're coughing, you know, by all means, stay out of the public. Sure, and
0: and that because if you have symptoms
1: and you get with somebody
0: that's susceptible to Contracting diseases or viruses easy. It's
1: it's not going to help them. So one thing about the COVID nineteen that people need to realize is you may be a carrier but never have the symptoms. Right, and so you could actually be spreading it uh, and not realize that you're uh, the carrier of it. Right, and then there's others that have the full blown symptoms.
0: Well, when we come back, we're, we're nearing the end of this segment, but I would I do want to talk about. Uh, legislation that y'all discussed up until the recess a little bit uh, continue to talk about what impact this may have on the state budget-wise if if we don't know for sure but we know it's going to have some impact and you mentioned some cuts and then we'll talk a little bit about what services must go on. Because you know there are things out here for us to survive as people in this world, in this community. Things have to go on. And and you're a big part of that with your business. I'm going to talk a little bit about that and how that's affected your business, if it has at all. Because if it's affecting yours, it's going to affect others. So we got one more segment. Again, thank you for being here. You're listening to News Talk 94.1 FM. This is Trending. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to our last segment on Trending on News Talk 94.1 FM and 1600 AM. Continue to visit me, Senator Paul Bailey. We were we just left talking about the flattening the curve for COVID nineteen, and, and you mentioned about how it will double every you know day, maybe up until the fourteenth day, and you just want to see the curve go
1: back down. Have you had an opportunity to talk to healthcare providers throughout this process? Absolutely, um, I have conference calls with doctors and and doctors here in the Upper Cumberland. Yesterday, I was able to participate in a conference call with with. Uh, with, with some of our primary physicians, primary care physicians, and one of the things that, that they're telling me is that there's a 99% recovery rate, which is good news. Sure. It's a 99% recovery rate. They're most concerned about our uh, population that's 60 and above that may have a uh, chronic illness today. Right. And that is where they're seeing uh, more uh, symptoms, uh, from the uh, COVID-19 is by being in that older population. And one of the areas that we're seeing the most test is our 18- to 30-year-old population, and I, I believe that's because they're not socially distancing themselves. Right, uh, The old adage is they think they're 10-foot tall and bulletproof. Right, And so uh, that's where we're seeing a lot of the positive tests come from, but at the same time, they're not um, – Um, they're not as susceptible to uh, a long-term illness and again the doctors are saying this is like a 99 percent recovery rate the only time that they're really concerned is is that older population so they they do agree that that our nursing homes assisted living homes where the elderly population is at should be totally shut off to uh, outside influence they also believe that the hospital in which I'm 99% 99% sure Cook Regional Medical Center is taking every protocol possible to make sure that anyone that comes in um, that has exhibiting symptoms of COVID-19, that they're uh, placed in a, a restricted area. So that's that's some of their concerns, but they were optimistic, uh, and the optimism is, is the fact that there's a 99% recovery rate, and so um, they have treated with uh, the malaria drug, um, they have treated uh, two or three patients with that, and those that they have treated have uh, recovered, so that's good news. But if you come in and you're not uh, of that age group of 60 and above, uh, they're not going to actually uh, issue or inject you with, uh, with that malaria drug at this time. So I said, well, what is the treatment? And it's basically go home because it's about a 48-hour period that the worst symptoms of the COVID-19 uh manifest itself and then after that then you you start out of it but they're not putting you on the doctors that i spoke to yesterday sure they're not putting you on antibiotics they're not giving you anything they're just basically saying go home and just let it run its course.
0: Well, I told my wife uh, last week, I guess, when this really got more serious and people started actually listening, I said, as far as I'm concerned, if we show symptoms, we're just going to stay here. Right. We're not even going to get, go get tested. We're right. just going to stay put for 14 days. We'll get somebody to put groceries on our steps or whatever if we don't have enough, which I think we do. I think – and I asked – of course, Mary Porter and some other people that are that know and, and doctors and nurses. And they said, that's the best thing to do. If right. you're right. someone that's not over 60 or right. susceptible to chronic disease or whatever, I, I think probably is the best route. So that would be my approach. If that's if I feel like I get and I don't I don't have symptoms. I'm uh, just old.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, not as old as me. I'm
0: just tired, <laughs> but um, I don't have symptoms. But so I, I think that's the best thing. I, I was at the grocery store yesterday. We did need a couple of things. Um so I went to one of the stores here in Cookville and, and I saw the, what everybody had been talking about. Mm-hmm. There wasn't panic in the store, but people were on a mission trying to get what they needed. A lot of the shelves were empty. Uh, that's because, you know, people feel like they need to stock up for weeks and they, we don't know what's going to happen, but a big part of the grocery business is logistics. Logistics, exactly. And, and without the logistics is we don't have the food on the shelves that we need the eggs, the milk, the bread, the, the meat. If you, if you're a meat eater, whatever, we don't have that unless we have logistics. You are obviously logistics expert. <laughs> <You've>
1: <laughs> well, been... <laughs> I don't know if I'm an expert, but I'm in logistics.
0: Well, you are, and you've been doing it for years, <laughs> and we talked about that the last time you were here back in the fall. Um, and first, thank you for, for continuing but I, and, and being a part of that. But I want to know, has it affected your operation, this COVID-19? Has it affected anything?
1: Well, what it's affected is the way that we're actually conducting business as far as our office is concerned. We've implemented all the protocols that CDC has recommended. Uh, we're not la- allowing any uh, outside influence to come into our office. Uh, we're you know, sanitizing, so forth and so on. But in regards to the amount of, of freight that we're hauling, we're at the same pace that we have been at all um, all winter long coming into the spring months. And because, you know, there's really not a shortage of, of, of food and supplies out there. The warehouses are full. Uh, it's just getting them moved into uh, the grocery stores. And one of the things that I feel like that that a lot of our grocery stores should have done in the beginning is is limited items to individuals so that everyone would have an opportunity to have a loaf of bread, a gallon of milk, uh, a roll of toilet tissue, right, right. <laughs> but but our warehouses are full and they're continuing to be full because they're being replenished. I, I know in speaking to one of the Walmart managers in the area, uh, where they would just say that they were receiving one supply truck a day. They're receiving three supply trucks a day, so the supplies are still coming in, and trucking is an essential part of that. Um, I, I told someone this morning, you know, without without trucking, America stops exactly, and so we've got to keep those supply lines going. Keep uh, keep the supplies coming into our stores, and I think that's a that's a big part of what uh, transportation has to do at this time.
0: Farming logistics, without those, right, we don't get what we need
1: exactly to live. Exactly. And so, and you know, there's a lot of we we haul uh, produce out of California, and right now is a time that California a lot of the produce is coming into season. And that has to move regardless. I mean, you can't shut that down because there's a there's a shelf life, right. as you know, for fresh produce, and so that has to move. And and obviously, people want uh, fresh produce still, so we're having to uh, keep those supply lines moving as well. So
0: generally, and, I, and I'll put you on the spot with this one, but I think you'll be able to answer easily. Generally, right now, you'd be in session. Right. Uh, it's you know March 25th, Wednesday's right in the middle of the week of session. You've been out since last Thursday. I know, of course, you you have a logistics business. What are you doing with your time? Are you putting it all back into the the logistics business? You you you're still communicating, obviously, with other senators and and the governor, I'm sure. But has, has this freed up anything for for you to enjoy well, anything else? Well, the,
1: my wife made the comment last night is that she likes the fact that I'm home by six or six thirty every night. That's good because uh, when I'm out of session, I'm usually somewhere in the district representing six counties there's an event going on in every county uh, every night of the week. And, and of course, I try to be out and and be visible and and meet with with my constituents. And so that's the one thing that she said is is she is happy that that during this time we can spend time together. Sure, And so I think that's one that's changed. I I go into work uh, at the trucking company every morning, and from there I deal with uh, trucking issues as well as uh, working with constituent issues and then with the administration and and our um, uh, Senate uh, caucus to make sure that the needs of when Tennesseans are mad.
0: Have you had to to load up in a truck and take a take a load somewhere yet?
1: I have not yet. But if that need arises, I can do that. I know
0: you have before, that's why I asked. Yeah. Um anything we're we're wrapping up we got a couple minutes, but anything you want to to share with our listeners, you've done a really good job about what we need to be doing. But I know we're re- you're reconvening uh June first and, and one of the things you'll be looking at is finishing some legislation that was left open, uh, continuing to mark the budget. Anything you want to share with our listeners before you head out today?
1: Well, one thing, uh, I was carrying legislation for telehealth, telemedicine, and obviously the president has talked a lot about that, as well as the governor. We didn't get that completed. That ended up in an impasse between the House and the Senate on Thursday night as well. When we come back in June, I hope we can resolve that issue and move forward. I think it's so important right now that we – be able to deliver telehealth and telemedicine to our to our citizens. Secondly, I would say to to Tennesseans and especially those in the upper Cumberland, uh, you know, we are Cookville, we are Putnam County, we are Tennesseans, we're the volunteer state. Mm-hmm. No matter what comes our way, we're gonna overcome this. I want people to have a spirit of hope. I want them to have a spirit of optimism and I know that there is a bright and sunshiny day coming and Tennessee's economy is resilient, Tennessee's people are resilient, and we will come back roaring again just like we were before these uh, disasters have struck us here in March.
0: could have said it better myself, and that's kind of the message I'm trying to, along with you, of course my, my area is smaller, but trying to, Communicate to my people as well and constituents. We're we're gonna get through this.
1: We're gonna make it.
0: Just be smart in the way you interact and and socialize and communicate. And this will pass. And you know I, I've been home with with my wife. It's just us and three dogs. And it's actually been refreshing right. that we've we've been able to stay home and not worry about being at a social event or not worry about being at a dinner. Not that we don't we like that we enjoy that, but it's been refreshing not have to worry about that
1: and to spend time with each other right you know so it's been good um i think that's i think that's the key right now i think families are actually having to spend time together and i'm hoping that that doesn't change you know the doctors on the conference call yesterday said you know just in a few months we're going to look back at this once the uh, full vaccine comes out uh, for the COVID 19 we're going to look back at this and it's just going to be a time in history But I hope that what we take away from it is that it's now time for us to spend time with our families and love on the ones that are so dear to us. Sure, sure. Thank you, Senator. I appreciate you. You know, if you ever need
0: anything from me and and at my agency, let me know. And you've always been here. You've always been there for me. You've been listening to News Talk ninety four point one FM and sixteen hundred AM. This has been trending, and I've been visiting with Senator Paul Bailey. We will be back next week with another guest. Hope you stay well, stay healthy, uh, love one another, be kind, and, and have a great weekend. We will see you soon.